Well, we're in the Gospel of Mark. For the last several months, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, and we're up through the 11th chapter, at the last few verses of the 11th chapter. And we're in the last week, or really the last few days of the life of Jesus. He's going to have some teachings in the next chapter or two, but then uh, things begin quickly to move toward his uh, betrayal, his arrest, his crucifixion, and then his glorious resurrection. It will be celebrated. We celebrate every day and every Sunday, but especially this coming uh, Easter Sunday. But uh, you might remember, just kind of put this story in context, Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, maybe on a Sunday. The palm branches were laid before him. We call it the triumphal entry or the or the uh, uh, Palm Sunday entry of Jesus to Jerusalem. And uh, he came in, and he just kind of looked around, went into the temple, just kind of looked around and saw what was going on there. And he, three years earlier, he had gone into that very temple, and he had driven out the money changers and, and uh, overturned the tables. We'll read about it in the Gospel of John. One of the very first things he ever did in his ministry. And so I'm sure that when he came in on that uh, uh, Palm Sunday and looked around, some of the people must have got a little nervous. They must have thought, oops, he's back. Uh, remember what he did last time. Remember a few years ago when he came? And, and, but he didn't do anything. He just left. And he went down to Bethany to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And... Uh, and then the next day, he comes back to Jerusalem. It's just a few miles. It's not very far at all, a couple of miles, really. And he comes back to Jerusalem, and he comes in, and he looks around again, and this time he does it all over again. He makes him a whip, and uh, he looks around, and he sees all of the abuses that are being uh, done there in the temple and how they've made the, the temple itself, which is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. And he's in the court of the Gentiles. And this is where they set up their marketplace, so to speak, and they sold uh, animals and, and, and they would somebody would bring an animal to offer it as a sacrifice and the priests would say, oh, no, this animal is defective. You can't use it. But we have a deal for you, and we'll sell you another animal, and they would sell them at an exorbitant price. And then some of the men who came from other countries came with their money, and they said, Oh, we can't, uh, we can't take that money. We'll have to exchange it for our money, but we'll charge you an extra price for that. So it was greed and arrogance and pride and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus just had all of it he could take. And so he started in again. Man, he kicks things over, and he takes this whip, and he's swinging it around, and, and he's turning over tables, uh, money going everywhere. He's opening uh, uh, bird cages and birds flying out and lambs running around and people scrambling, and whoo, it must have been chaotic. And when he get finished, he left again. And then... Uh, we come to this story, verse 27 of Mark chapter 11. Jesus comes back to Jerusalem again. Now by this time, I guess they've set everything back up, and, and they came again to Jerusalem. And 
all the folks must have looked like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? And so as he is walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. So they sent a delegation to talk to Jesus, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do them? What right do you have to come in here to our temple and turn things over and drive people out and, and give us such a scolding as you did? And uh, here we see the wisdom of Jesus. He doesn't answer the question. He could have said, I do it by my own authority. I have the authority to do this. This is my father's house. But uh, he didn't say that because he knew that had he said something like that, they might have thought he was some kind of uh, megalomaniac, you know, who was uh, uh, overstepping his bounds. And if he had said, well, God gave me the authority to this, which would have been a correct answer, but he didn't say that because they would have then accused him of blasphemy and he still had a few more days of teaching he wanted to do before his arrest and they would have arrested him right on the spot had he said that so he said uh, I'll ask you a question you answer me and then I'll tell you by what authority I do these things he said I've got a question for you and if you can answer the question that I give to you then I'll answer your question and so Jesus said to them was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. Hmm. Well, now, John the Baptist, just three years prior to this, had uh, come, and, and I mean people flocked from everywhere to John the Baptist. And he was preaching a strong message, repent, repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. And then he points to Jesus and said, look, this is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. He baptizes Jesus and hundreds and hundreds of other people. And then later, John becomes a martyr. He is killed by the king and all the people are grieving. Man, they loved John the Baptist. And uh, so the scribes and Pharisees are kind of on the horns of a dilemma. They discussed it and they said, well, now, if we say that the baptism of John was from heaven, then he will say, well, then why didn't you believe him? Because the scribes and Pharisees hated John the Baptist. You remember, they came to John the Baptist also and they didn't come to be baptized, though. They came to just observe, and he pointed to them and said, Why have you come? And then he scolded them, and he said, The axe is already laid to the root of the tree. And he told them uh, that if they didn't repent, they were actually going to perish. And, and it was, uh, so you can see why they didn't like him. You know, and then one thing I found, that religion... I'm not talking about true Christianity. Religion hates to be confronted. Religious structures and religious systems will kill you if you question their authority. And that's what John had done. That's what Jesus was doing. And they were going to 
have him killed in the next few days. And so he said, uh, they said, well, now, if we say that John's message and his baptism was from heaven, he's going to turn it around on us and say, well, if it was from heaven, why didn't you believe him? But if we say it was from man, in other words, it wasn't God's authority, it was man's authority, then they were afraid of the people. For all the people held that John really was a prophet. And so they didn't know what to say. And they discussed it among themselves. Well, how are we going to answer this question? So they came back to Jesus and they answered Jesus, well, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, all right, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. You didn't answer my question, I won't answer your question. I told you if you'd answer my question, I'd answer your question. And so in their attempt to trick him and trap him, Jesus turned it back around on them, and uh, they didn't know what to say. But here's what I want to say today about this. Jesus did have authority to do what he did. And I'm telling you, Jesus had all authority. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's what Jesus said. All authority. We're told in the book of Philippians that Jesus humbled himself to to death, even the death of the cross, and for that God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name so that every knee will someday bow And those who stubbornly resist him now, the knee of the Pharisees and the knee of of all of the leaders in the world who hate him now and the nations that rage against him now, someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Those who have cursed his name will in that day declare he is Lord. It'll be too late for them at that time. Had they made that confession now, they would be rejoicing in that name. But if they wait until that day, their knee will bow, their tongue will confess, but their soul will be lost. But he has authority, all authority. And you know, it seems strange that they would ask him this question because he'd already demonstrated his authority. The Bible says that the, when he taught, people said, we have never heard anybody teach like this because he teaches with authority. Not like the scribes and the Pharisees who just quote other people. He says, I say to you, Jesus said, you've heard it said, this and this and this, but I say to you. And he taught with authority. But then he demonstrated his authority. There were people who came to him who were demon-possessed. And Jesus, with a word, spoke, and demons obeyed him. He spoke with authority over demons. He had authority over disease. There were people who came to him who were lepers, outcasts, had an incurable disease, a death sentence of a disease. And Jesus touched them. And the Bible says immediately their leprosy was healed. What authority? 
What authority he had? Authority over demons, authority over disease. And then he had authority over nature. There were times that he was in a boat and a huge storm came on the sea and it was overflowing the boat. Jesus asleep in the boat and the disciples woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus stood up and it just says he rebuked the wind and the storm and the waves. And he just said, shh. Quiet, peace, be still. That's kind of shh. And it says immediately the storm stopped. And the wind stopped. And the waves stopped. And the disciples (laughs) fell on their knees in the boat. And they said, what kind of man is this? That even the storm obeys his voice. So he had demonstrated that he had authority. And then they asked him, by by what authority do you do this? But I want to tell you, he has total authority today. He has all authority today. But just as it was in that day, there were some who didn't recognize his authority. They saw it demonstrated. They, they, they had seen him cast out demons and heal diseases and still the storms and feed the multitudes and all those kinds of things. And they still asked the question, by what authority? Well, I'll tell you, the authority that he has today is to rule the whole world. There is coming a day when Jesus will come back to this earth. He won't come back to be born in a humble manger in Bethlehem. He won't come back to be scoffed at, ridiculed, mistreated, and killed. He won't come back to die again. The Bible says by one sacrifice, he settled for all times the issue of our sin. When he comes back the next time, It will be to rule and to reign and to exercise the authority that he has over the hearts of all men. But here's the question. Does he have authority in your life today? Do you know what the earliest confession of faith was for Christians? It was Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That word Lord actually translates the Old Testament name for Yahweh, for God, Jehovah God. And the early Christians would be lined up and they would be given an opportunity to say that Caesar was Lord. And thus their life and their property would be spared. But the early Christians said, no, Caesar is Caesar. He has authority, but it's delegated authority. See, Pilate had said to Jesus when Jesus, uh, Pilate asked Jesus a question and Jesus answered him, but wouldn't, didn't answer him back. And Pilate said, do you not know 
that I have the authority to have you killed? And Jesus said, you would have no authority unless God gave it to you. And he said, do you not know that even at this moment, I could call for legions of angels to come and deliver me. That's the authority he has. But he said, now you exercise your authority, but understand that it's delegated authority. Well, the authority Jesus had was incipient authority, true authority, real authority. But the early Christians were given the opportunity to say, Caesar is Lord, and then live. But they said, no, Caesar is Caesar. He's king of Rome, but Jesus is Lord. And all authority is his, and we bow only to his authority. Now, I tell you, there are voices today that ask us the question, who is the ruler, who is the Lord, who is the master in your life? Who do you make your decisions based on? Do you base it on what you hear on television or reading on Facebook? Heaven help you if you do that. Do you make your decisions based on what seems best to you? The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way, the ways of death. Do you base your choices, make your decisions based on the majority of our culture, what other people are doing? Or do you say, Lord Jesus, Jesus is my Lord. He has, he not only has all authority, he is my authority. He is the one who calls the shots in my life. Can you say at the earliest call of Jesus to the earliest disciples was just simply follow me. Follow me. You take your cue from me. You just do what I tell you to do. Follow me. And they recognized him as Lord. And they said, all the way, we will follow you. And they did follow him. Unfortunately, they didn't follow him all the way to the cross. But after the resurrection, they followed him all the way to their cross. And they died, every one of the disciples, with the exception of the Apostle John, died a martyr's death. And John basically did. He was exiled as an elderly man for his faith. And those disciples who answered that call years ago, yes, Jesus, you're, the, you're my Lord, they followed him all the way to their own death. And I challenge you today. Jesus is asking you the question, who is Lord?
in your life. What authority, what authority, Jesus, do you have to rule my life? What authority do you have to cleanse this temple? What authority do you have to tell me how to live my life? And he says, I have all authority. I am the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why when a person was asked, when the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Paul answered, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. If you're not a Christian today, that's your answer. If you were to say, what, what must I do to be saved? The answer is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, the one with all authority, and you will be saved. Now, if you're already a Christian, then the question is this. Who are you following as the leader and Lord in your life? Will you be able to say all the way, all the way my Savior leads me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus today to speak to our hearts. I know that we hear many, many voices. We hear voices from our own flesh and inward voices. We hear multitudes of voices from the outside. But you say, my sheep hear my voice. And Father, that's what we want to be. We want to, we want to be the ones who say, we hear your voice and we follow you. And I pray that you will help those today who have not ever trusted in Jesus. If there's even one person here I pray that today would be the day they would say, I want to come to Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe on him. But for those of us who are already saved, we also have multitudes of voices that push us and pull us in many directions. And I pray that you will help us to say, I want Jesus to lead me. And I yield to him and I follow him. All the way, my Savior leads me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us, and let us get to know you. Have a great week, and may the Lord richly bless you.